My name is James Park. For those of you who are watching online, uh, those of you who are a part of Wilmot Center Church, uh, also for those of us, uh, for those of you who are watching uh, for the first time, I want to welcome you this morning. My name is uh, James Park, pastor of Engage Ministries at uh, Wilmot Center. And, um, you know, I just want to say that this message, uh, which is the third installment of the Who's the Boss sermon series, was something that God had placed on my heart back in January. Uh, it was out of a devotional time when I was reading Numbers chapter 13 to 14, and I was talking it over with Pastor Randall. And at that point, um, you know, this whole situation with COVID-19, it wasn't at this point, obviously, back in January. And so um, I had no idea that I would be preaching this message for such a time as this. I mean, this was being planned uh, way in advance. So I believe that God had this message for you, uh, for all of us who are watching, uh, because there's something that the Lord wants us to know. Um, and so I'm just going to turn uh, right to Numbers chapter 14, uh, verse 1 to 8. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, turn to that. Uh, Numbers 14, and I'm going to be reading from verse 1 to 8. And this is what it says. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. So the title for my message this morning is Cashing In on Faith. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you this morning and make the declaration that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are with us, and that we have nothing to fear. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us who is watching online, that you would speak to us and give us that measure of hope and faith in you to go through what we are facing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have stories in your life where God did something awesome and it was like it took your faith meter from zero to like 10? I mean, think about that for a moment. Something happened. Maybe it was a maybe you needed something. You need provision for something. You needed finances for something. And there was like just no way to get there. But God miraculously provided for you. Or maybe you were given a promise or a word from scripture and you held tightly to that. Even though the circumstances surrounding you was like so far from that promise, you held tightly. And then all of a sudden that promise was fulfilled in your life. 
or maybe you encountered God's power somehow. Maybe you were struggling. Maybe you had a, um, an issue with your health or something and God healed you. Maybe you were struggling with an addiction of some kind and God totally set you free. I mean, whatever it might be, just think about that for a second. Think about those moments in your life where God showed himself mightily on your behalf. Or think about those times when God showed himself faithful on your behalf. How has God shown himself as provider on your behalf? Think about that for a moment. And to simplify this question, I'll call it the three P's, okay? Have you experienced the three P's of God in your life? That is promise, provision, or power. Have you experienced God's fulfilled promise in your life? Have you experienced God's provision in your life? Have you experienced God's power in your life? I want to share with you a few stories, um, you know, in relation to the three P's uh, that's happened in my life. Now, the first P is promise. Um, when my wife and I, when we first got married, I was the one that came to her and I was like, hey, let's, uh, let's have four kids. I feel like we should have four kids. And she was like, what? Four? Maybe like one or two. Um, but then we had one, our first child. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe we'll just have one. And then she was like, no, let's have four. And so we, we kind of had this back and forth thing going on. But, at, you know, after the, the, the first was born, the second, and then the third, we just felt like the Lord was wanting for us a, a, a family of four kids, a family of six um, with four children. And so uh, we even felt the Lord giving us our, our child's name. We, and in fact, we, we had this sense that our fourth child would be a, a girl because the name Junia resonated so much in our spirit. You know, she's in Romans chapter 16. She's one of the apostles mentioned there. She was in prison with Paul. And we're like, man, we want, um, you know, all of our kids, of course, we want to uh, launch them in their destiny for God and, and, and that they would run after God. And, and that name Junia, we're like, oh, we want to see uh, uh, our daughter Junia. Um, being raised up to be somebody who will go all out for Jesus, you know? And so um, we just had that in our spirit that God was promising us a fourth child. And so after our third child was born, we, you know, maybe two years after um, Allie got pregnant and uh, by a tragic uh, happening, we, we lost the child. And long story short, that season after that was devastating. And I'm sure for those of you who have ever experienced loss, um, like that, you would understand that that's a very difficult season to go through. Um, in fact, we were questioning the promise of God. Like, was it truly a promise from God? Like this name Junia and this sense that we would have a girl that we would name her Junia. Is that even from the Lord? Like, uh, you know, we, we began to question it and we even doubted. And we said, you know, maybe, maybe God, you know, maybe that wasn't a promise for us. Uh, but then, you know, a few years go by and Allie got pregnant again. And uh, we gave birth to, uh, she gave birth to Junia. And now when, whenever we look at her, we're like, wow, you know, she's the fulfillment of a promise. And, and, and it showed us that God was a promise-keeping God. And in that moment, our faith in him, it became like currency. And, and it just built up in our lives into the, the, the bank of our lives, you know. And so that, that was so powerful. Now, the second story I want to share with you is a story of provision. Now, when, again, when we were first married, um, Allie took a big leap of faith marrying me because I did not have a job. I was, you know, just 
wanting to know where God was uh, directing us. And there was a six month period where I, you know, I did not have a job. And during that time, uh, it was just amazing. The Lord provided every step of the way. Uh, we had groceries showing up at our front door. We've even had envelopes full of cash being taped to our door and on the envelope saying to James and Allie from God. <laughs> Somebody had wrote that, uh, written that on the envelope. And we were able to make all our ends meet. We've never missed a, um, a payment for rent or our car or anything. Uh, even, you know, though I was, I was not working and Allie was not working, you know, there was zero income coming in. The Lord provided every step of the way. And again, that season showed us that God is our provider and our faith in him completely, like it just went up, you know, and again, like currency, it built up into uh, like a storehouse. Um, and the last story I want to share with you, it's kind of a funny story uh, about God's power. This is when I was a very brand new Christian. By the way, I am not advocating that you should do this, okay? Uh, when I first became a Christian, I had all this zeal. I had absolutely no knowledge, okay? When I was reading uh, scripture, I would see things like, you know, Jesus proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing sick people and casting out demons. And I'm like, wow, I want to see that happen, you know? And I had this, all this boldness and zeal. Um, but again, very little knowledge. So anyways, I was at a Tim Hortons. Um, and again, I was a brand new Christian. Okay. Just, just gotta say that I was at a Tim Hortons and there was this man sitting at a table by himself and all the other people sitting were like far away from him because they were scared of him. And he was just sitting at the table going, <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, this is like in the Bible. Like This is a demon possessed guy. What? And so like all this. Uh, faith rose up in me and boldness and zeal of very little knowledge. Anyway, so I, I went and I ordered a coffee and I go and I sit down in front of him and I look him straight in the eye and I go, what is your name? And I was expecting him to be like, Legion or something like that, right? But anyways, he goes, my name is John. And I was like, wait a second. It's not supposed to go like that. I was like, wait, no, no what is your name? And he kind of looked at me all puzzled. And I was like, in Jesus name, I cast out that demon in you in Jesus name. And he went, boom, he slammed his hands on the table and he bolted out of the Tim Hortons. And I was like, whoa, I was like, that's crazy. And, and again, I was like, wow. And, it, and my faith meter went up. And again, I wouldn't advocate doing that. But I mean, it did something. I was like, wow, God is powerful. And so, again, those stories, it, it built up faith like currency into like a storehouse in my spirit that, you know, um, God is amazing and, he, and there's nothing impossible with him, right? And, and so to illustrate what it's like, okay, here's a, like some coins, okay? It actually says Bitcoin. These, these aren't actual Bitcoins, by the way. But faith, when we see those kinds of things happening in our lives, you know, when you see a miracle happening in your life or when you see God providing for you in a powerful way, it builds up faith like currency. Like, you know, it's like ching ching. You, you get built faith being built up and stored in your spirit. And, and you might ask, well, why do we need that to happen? Like, why do we need that storehouse of faith? Well, it's for times when you'll need it. Because let me tell you something. How many of you know that life isn't always a faith building season? Life isn't always going to be those stories where God shows up in a powerful way and I mean, of course, God does that, but it's not always like that, right? I mean, we will go through trials. There are times when we go through seasons um, that are faith-stretching seasons. 
There are faith testing seasons and there are faith spending seasons. Seasons where God seems distant, where his promises seem like, you know, they weren't promises at all. You know, seasons where uh, his power is just not on display at all. And the Israelites were there. That's where they were in the part, in the portion of scripture that we read this morning in Numbers chapter 14. That's where they were. They were at a crossroads moment. You see, when we face trials, when we face those difficult situations, it becomes a crossroads moment. And, and, it, and it, it dictates where are we going to position our faith? Where are we going to direct our faith? Right? Who's the boss of our faith? Where are we going to direct it? The, Can- the Israelites were there when they came to Canaan. Um, but here's the thing. Okay, let's broaden the picture of where the Israelites were. The Israelites used to be slaves under the most powerful empire in the world at the time. Now, they were living in a desperate situation. They were crying out to God. They were living in hardship. They needed deliverance. Now, the next part, I'm just going to hold up a coin every time I say something. And I want you to think or to say, ching, ching, whenever I say that, all right? So they're in this place. They need deliverance, right? All of a sudden, God raises up Moses to deliver the people. He raises up a leader to deliver the people from bondage. Now, talk about God's power, a display of God's power, right? Ching, ching, there you go. Something happened to build faith into that storehouse of faith. They, next thing, they had a Passover meal after they were delivered. They had this Passover meal. They put blood on their doorposts, and the God of angel armies proved that he was far more powerful than the, the Egyptian gods, right? And again, ching, ching, there's more faith being put into the storehouse of the Israelites. Now, how about when they were being chased by the uh, Egyptians and they come to a dead end, right? They're at the, the banks of the Red Sea. There's no way to go. I mean, it's over. And I, can you imagine being in that situation? You, you look one direction and it's the ocean. I mean, there's, no way, there's nowhere to go. The other direction, there's chariots coming after you. And what does God do? He splits the sea in half. <sighs> splits the sea in half, causing a pathway for the people to escape the chariots of Egypt. Again, right? Ching, ching. There's more faith being placed in that bank. And then when they're in the wilderness, God made manna suddenly appear in the desert for them to eat. Again, right? Ching, ching. And supernatural provision. Now, I don't know what, in fact, manna means what is it, right? I'm not exactly sure. It tastes like wafers and honey. Um, I'll tell you, if I was in that situation, I'd be wanting some meat as well. Uh, The Israelites wanted meat. So then God provided meat. He provided quail meat. Boom. Ching, ching. Again, there's more, more faith being placed into that storehouse for them. They were thirsty. God made water spring out from a rock. And again, boom. Ching, ching. Right? There's more faith in that storehouse. Then they come to Canaan. And it's a good land. It produces fruit, just like what God promised them as their inheritance in Exodus 3.17. This is what it says. And I promise that I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt and to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Mennonites, just kidding, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? A promise was given. Listen, I'm going to take you to this land. 
It's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, that means there's going to be abundance. You're going to be taken to a land with abundance. And so here they are, and they're looking at the land, and it's got abundance. Ching, ching, right? God's a promise-keeping God. But then a crossroads moment happens. Numbers 13, verse 27 says this. This is their crossroads moment. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So who are the descendants of Anak? Short answer, who cares? You know, but I'll tell you anyway, okay? Reading from Numbers 13, 32 to 33, this is what it says about them. The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from Nephilim, the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves, they, we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers and we seem, and so we seem to them. And so the Nephilim, were of great height, that passage says, right? They were, they were like giants. And some, some scholars would translate that word Nephilim as fallen ones. And you could actually read a bit more about them in Genesis chapter 6, where it talks about the sons of God, you know, intermarried with the daughters of men. And I mean, it was a time when a, a lot of evil was upon the earth and uh, people were thinking and doing evil things, e evil things all the time. And so that's the context. And so these are the fallen ones. And, um, you know, I don't have time to really get into that, but all I want, I just want to say this. The reason why I say who cares is this, because compared to God, the Nephilim are like grasshoppers. Okay. So the Israelites may look like grasshoppers compared to the Nephilim, but to God, the Nephilim are grasshoppers. Now, have you ever been on an airplane and, and, and you look down and you see the houses and they're tiny? I, I mean, I just flew back from North Carolina. So, uh, just the other day, just yesterday, um, I was looking down after we took off um, from Charlotte uh, International Airport. I was looking down. I'm like, man, those houses look like little specks. And inside those houses, there's people, which, you know, they're, they're little specks. And, and, and you see the entire, the expanse of the city. And, and it's beautiful to see. But, man, how much greater is God than any single person or people group in this world. Doesn't matter if they're the Nephilim or the sons of Anak, you know, they're nothing compared to God. God is way above them. In fact, God showed his mighty power already that he's far more powerful than the Egyptian empire. We already saw that, the, 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 the Israelites, they saw that already. The 12 spies, they knew that already. But you see, of the 12 spies that went out to scope out the land, only two of them moved in the direction of faith, and 10 of them moved in the direction of fear. And so let me see if I got this right. Are you seeing this right? Or is it backwards? Maybe it's backwards. Ah, see, I came prepared. Is this backwards? or No, that's backwards. There, see? So two of them said, you know what? We're putting our faith in that jar. Ten of them were like, uh, no, we're putting our faith in this jar. Okay? That's what happened. Is this, is this right? Yeah, there we go. Faith in God here. Right? That's what happened. Right? The ten spies, they bring back this report. Oh, 
yeah, it's got some fruit and it's flowing with milk and honey, but man, the Anik are there and the sons of Anik are there. And you know what? It, you know what that did? It infected the entire population of the Israelites with fear, right? It's probably the most contagious condition known to man. Fear. Fear spreads faster than a virus. And that's how chapter 14 starts off. We see the viral infection of fear to completely overtake the Israelites. This is what it says, in, in, starting off in verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to him, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. You see, in the moment of panic, the people actually wished that they went back to Egypt, back to the place where they were under slavery for 430 years. 430 years of slavery. Could you imagine? That's generation after generation after generation. All they knew was slavery. All of a sudden, God does this incredible miracle. They're set free, and they're like, oh, no, here's the promised land. There's some tall people there. Let's go back to that bondage. Isn't that great? Fear has the ability to cause such irrational thinking. I mean, don't we see that today? Fear causes irrational thinking. And here's the thing. The Israelites, just before this whole passage in Exodus 14, or, uh, sorry, is it Exodus 14? Anyway, Numbers 14, right? They experienced God's power to the point they began to sing about it. The same people who are grumbling in Numbers 14, in, in, a, in, a, in, in Exodus, they were singing about God's power. In fact, in Exodus 15, this is called the Song of Moses, what the, Moses and the Israelites sang. This is a verse in their song. In Exodus 15, verse 11, they sang this. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? This was a song that they were singing. God, you are awesome. You work wonders. You are majestic in holiness. Who's like you? You're awesome. But then they come to this crossroads moment. They see the promised land with the Anik living there, and they are filled with fear, and this fear spreads like a virus throughout the land. But Joshua and Caleb, they saw things differently. They saw things differently. They were at that same crossroads. They experienced the same miracles. right? But they placed their faith in the currency. They, fa they placed their faith currency in this jar, the faith in God jar. Knowing that the same God who split the sea in half, the same God who overcame the Egyptian armies, the same God who miraculously provided for them while they were in the wilderness, manna from heaven, quail for them to eat, water to spring forth from rocks, the same God who guided them as, as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, that same God would surely be with them and completely deliver them from the Anak because the Anak are grasshoppers to God, right? They had that faith in God. And so my question to you this morning is, where do you place your faith currency? What direction 
does your faith go? Does it go into this jar, the faith in God jar, or does it go into this jar? Because listen, if it goes into this jar, I'll say this, it's like empty carbs that gets converted to just not good stuff, okay? When you place your fear in this, it completely does the opposite effect. It robs you of your fear. In fact, it causes such irrational behavior. And again, we see that even today, right? It's a live example of what happens today, right? Now, this is a caveat, though. I just want to say this. Faith in God, putting your currency in this jar, does not mean reckless ignorance and poor judgment. Okay, faith in God doesn't mean a lack of sound decision-making. Faith in God requires wisdom. Faith in God requires sound decisions, right? Here's a, better, a good way to put it. Faith in God requires right action at the right time. And so, you know, we do have a real-time application for this sermon right now with the spread of the COVID-19 virus, right? Now, the World Health Organization is declaring this. They declared it a global pandemic, and uh, we're at a crossroads moment for our faith. Right? We're at a crossroads moment. And the question becomes, in which direction are we going to place our faith this morning? Now, to place your faith chips into the uh, bank of faith in God doesn't mean that we could just, you know, just be reckless and, and not heed the wisdom from the health officials. Right? That's why we made the decision that we made. Listen, I really wanted to be there with you guys. I mean, I wish I was standing there at the pulpit. It's kind of weird being in my basement. Uh, with an earphone in my ear and I can't see you. It, 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 this feels weird um, because I want to be able to c communicate with you and be in that room with you, right? There's something powerful when the community gathers together. Look, we, we didn't make this decision out of fear, okay? The leadership did not make this decision out of fear, right? Our faith is in God. Our trust is in God, okay? COVID-19 is nothing uh, for God. God can heal anything. We believe that, right? So this was not a decision made out of fear. Um, this was a decision. This, the, this decision was our part, our small part in the bigger picture of reducing the spread across Canada, right? That's what, that's the part what we're playing. That's the part that many churches, in fact, a lot of the, um, like even, even, um, the city is doing that schools, right? It's limiting the, the ability for it to spread, right? It's wisdom. And so that's what we're doing. Right. And so I just want to say like, what we're doing is not based out of fear, right? Because ultimately, you know that you're making a decision out of faith when you have rest, right? If you're making a decision out of fear, you're in panic mode. There's anxiety, there's worry, there's fear, right? But for us, we're making this decision out of rest. Rest in what God, who God is. Rest in what God is able to do. That there is no virus, there's no disease, that God cannot overcome, right? And I want to encourage our church family this morning with this passage from Isaiah 26, verse 3 to 4. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting God. I love that passage, right? God is the one who keeps perfect peace in our hearts, in our souls. No matter what circumstance we face, 
When we place our faith currency in this jar, in the faith in God jar, he gives us perfect peace because our minds are stayed on him. So let us keep our minds and hearts stayed on Christ. Let's put our trust in him who is our peace and our hope forever. Because again, there's no virus on earth that he cannot heal and overcome. Jesus is still on the throne and his name is still above every other name. We do not need to fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Joshua and Caleb had that kind of mindset. They were at that crossroads moment. They were looking at the promised land. They saw the sons of Anak there, the Nephilim, these giants. But their minds were stayed on the Lord. And they did not have fear, right? They had power, love, and a sound mind. So let's be like that. Let's be like the two, not like the ten. And direct our faith towards God. I want to close by declaring Psalm 91 over our congregation. And those of you who are watching, I want to declare uh, Psalm 91 over you. I believe the word of God is living and active. How many of you believe that? Amen. The word of God is living and active. And I believe it has power. God's word has power. And by reading on it, reading it and meditating on it and praying it, I believe God will surely impart a blessing upon us this morning. All right. And so here is Psalm 91, declaration of Psalm 91 over us this morning. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Amen. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that flies that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he who holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is a declaration for our church this morning. For those of you who are watching online, wherever you are, um, in your homes, let us declare that word. Let's pray Psalm 91 over our families, over our homes, over our communities, uh, because God is with us. He is with us through this time. And so let's declare that and let's direct our faith towards him in this time. Amen.
All right, let's pray. I want to pray for us this morning. So, Father, thank you that you are our refuge, our ever-present help in time of need. And, God, we do confess that we need you. And we thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers, who comes to aid us in our times of need. You are the one in whom our hope is securely found. And we declare that this morning. We thank you for the promises that you give us in Scripture, your word, in particular from Psalm 91, Lord God. That is your word. And I believe that is the word for us today, that that is uh, a rhema word for the body today, that Psalm 91 is our strength, our hope. And Psalm 91, we can can cling to that this morning. We can cling cling to that this season. And so we thank you. God, for those who are watching online, I pray that your peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that we would always direct our faith towards you. We thank you. We love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you.